How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Apples Geno's Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name's Josh Hutchinson, and I've got John Binkle with me here today. How you doing, John? I'm good, buddy. I just got back from 48 hours in New York City. I uh, got my dogs back from my mother-in-law. We're back in the swing of things, man. It's playoff time. Yeah, man. That's a whirlwind of a trip. So what did you? What were you able to see in 48 hours? So my wife saw Chicago, the Broadway musical with my stepmom. Oh, wow. And uh, my dad and I went to a pub on that street and uh, and watched hockey and basketball and had a beer or two instead. And uh, my wife and I went to the top of the Empire State Building, which was um, I can't believe I'm saying this about New York City, but it was surprisingly expensive to do that. Um, but I had seen other than one of the new buildings, which is now apparently the tallest um, like lookout in New York City now, um, I had seen every other like top of the building uh other than the empire state building because it was just like one that we didn't go see so that was cool to do with her we got some great photos and uh my dad is uh is a like multi-level chef and he works for a excuse me uh like a big ceramic pizza oven company out of baltimore and so they were doing this massive food show in new york uh, where they were showcasing the oven. So we went to this giant food show um, for free, which was dope. Um, and my wife and I are both in the food service industry. So it was interesting for us, like on a professional level. And it was also cool because, you know, unlike a trade show where they just want to like give you a pen with their logo on it, um, there's like a ton of samples and and um, and stuff like that. So it's kind of I wouldn't I wouldn't call it interactive, but it's basically just kind of like a, a tasting food court. Like it's going, going to Costco, but this massive conference center for it. So it was that cool. sounds we had awesome. A, we had a really good time. It was it was uh, it was a really quick turnaround, but um, somehow, uh, with exception to the empire state building we didn't spend a ton of money so it was a great trip overall that's awesome i i feel like uh i kind of had that experience in london england where we tried to fit in we basically did a day trip when we were in england we went over there for for a week and a half for my sister's wedding my sister lives in england and i we spent one day in london and it was basically taking the tube around to all the different spots we'd get out take a look Get back on the tube. Keep going. It was it was a it was a whirlwind of a day, but we saw like we saw Abbey Road, we saw Baker Street, we saw Buckingham Palace. Uh, it it was it felt like we touched on all of all of the iconic sites, but yeah. we it was like it was hard to take it all in because it was so fast. Yeah. <laughs> it was hard to process. But yeah, uh, all right, let's talk hockey. Uh, thanks again thanks again for leaving us a review on spotify and apple Podcasts. if you haven't and you're enjoying our content please just take a second leave us a review we would greatly appreciate it also check out the apples and genos discord server it's a great place to talk fantasy hockey get your questions answered and also receive alerts for when new apples and genos content drops and if you didn't already know this is midweek moves it is wednesday march 8th and we're talking about schedule maximization who you should be adding and dropping at this point um For a lot of leagues, you're almost in the playoffs. Some leagues are in the playoffs already. um, But I would say uh, in most of my leagues, the playoffs are starting next week. So this advice right here is for for people that are trying to get into that last playoff spot or trying to clinch a spot at all. So uh, for the rest of the week, the schedule is interesting. There are 11 teams with three games. 
but they all only have one off night. So um, there's only two teams that play on both Friday and Sunday, which are the two off nights from Thursday to set to Sunday. Um, and that is Calgary and Anaheim. Um, but they only play those two games. So, um, I, I mean, if you want a team with three games, if you can fit someone in on the Saturday or the Thursday, it's unlikely the Saturday is 15 games. Calgary and, Ana- and Anaheim are actually the only teams that don't play on Saturday. Um, so Arizona, Boston, Carolina, New Jersey, Nashville, the Rangers, Ottawa Senators, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Tampa Bay, and Vegas all have three games with that one off night. Uh, and then uh, in terms of poor schedules, Columbus, Toronto, and Vancouver only have one game to finish out the week. Uh, and those are all on the Saturday. So you're probably not going to fit anyone from those, those teams um, in for the rest of the week. Next week, um, there are a number of teams that have really good schedules. Uh, and this is probably, yeah, I, I mean, this, this will, m- might be your first week of your playoffs. Uh, Buffalo has four games and four off nights. That is the best schedule out of anybody there. Um, the Leafs and the Caps both have four games with three off nights. Columbus and Colorado both have four games with two off nights. And then St. Louis and Anaheim both have three games with three off nights. Now, the poor schedules next week are De- Detroit and Florida. They only have two games. Um, so probably not wanting to pick anyone up going into next week from those teams. Uh, but St. Louis, I would say Anaheim is probably the most ideal team to pick up from from the end of this week and next week. Um, you can even carry those players over into next week and save an ad um, because they the next five games that they have are all on off nights. So that they're going to be really easy to fit into your schedule. So my ad is from Anaheim. It is Cam Fowler who is 16% rostered. Um, He has 11 points in his last 10 games. And now that Klingberg is gone, he uh, has power play one deployment and his ice time has therefore gone, gone up a bit. He's, uh, he was already getting over 20 minutes a game. He's now getting um, their last couple of games. He's been 23 to 24 minutes per game and, and playing on that power play. I mean, obviously Anaheim is not, they're not a strong team. They're not scoring a ton of goals. But Cam Fowler has been in on a lot lately, and he'll get every opportunity to be in on more. So um, that's a guy that I would definitely be considering picking up and probably the most attainable and best uh, Anaheim Duck available. So that's who I'm going with this week. I can certainly see that. Um, I was just reading the article from uh, Mark Barber, 18 Skaters, for us. Uh, His 18 Skaters bot um, had Fowler as um, a high recommendation as well. So I think that's certainly a quality ad for, for those of you that are looking to absolutely win this week or looking to prime yourself for next week as well. Um, emotionally, I don't, I don't want to put any of my playoff hopes on an Anaheim duck, but at that position and with that many games played, all of them on off nights, I mean, the likelihood is that you're, going to put him in over no one right it's not necessarily cam fowler versus someone else it's cam fowler versus not getting a player on onto the ice and and collecting stats so i think that's an an excellent addition for you uh my ad for uh, this this week is actually jack quinn um i'm more primed for for next week earnestly i feel like if you are scrambling to win this last week to make the playoffs um first of all Congratulations for clawing away all your way to the finish. 
Um, but if it's me, I'm probably adding and dropping day to day and maximizing all the way throughout the week. Um, so it's a little less fluid for suggestions. So I'm just going to go straight into next week. Jack Quinn, line one with Skinner and Tage Thompson. He is the power play two gunner. They get a decent percentage of the minutes there. It's not uh, not an even split. It's not a great second power play unit, but he is the shooter for them. So you're getting those minutes on top of what really matters to me in this case, which is time with, with Skinner and Tage Thompson. Uh, like you mentioned, in week 22, they have four games played and four off nights. If your playoff schedule is 22 through 24, they have an excellent 10 games played with seven off nights. And if your weeks are 23 through 25, 13 games played with four off nights. So both of those really, really quality playoff schedules. And there's not really an indication that Alex Tuck is going to come back anytime soon. So you don't have to really worry about whether Jack Quinn is going to lose that space to anyone else. They seem to have solidified their lines going into the playoffs and, if you listen to the show, you know that I am a huge fan of Jack Quinn in general. So seeing him get this kind of deployment really, really gives me um, the the warm feelies in my stomach, fantasy hockey wise. Yeah, I think we had a hat bet uh, in the in the preseason episode because we were talking about our Calder Trophy favorites, and I was all over Cole Perfetti. You were all over Jack Quinn, and I think we said we said that we were going to bet. Um, whoever had the most Calder votes at the end of the year, okay. uh, whoever's guy, they would get a hat like that. The other person would buy that person a hat. So I it's looking, it looked at the start of the year. Like it was, I was going to be running away with this. And now Jack Quinn is right in that conversation. So we'll see. I don't, neither of them are going to win the Calder. I, like, no. I don't think they're even, um, they're even considerations, but they may get top five votes. I'm kind of racking my brain right now for who the favorite would be. I would assume. I think it's I, probably Beneers. Okay. I, I don't think there's there's no one that's running away with it, really. But yeah. I think Beneers is probably the favorite at this point. Logan Thompson earlier in the year was. Yeah, I mean, but, if he had not been hurt, that would have been my assumption, right? Yeah, he really tailed off and then got hurt. So that that kind of hurts his case as well. But Beneers has been pretty solid all year. I think he's probably going to end up with between 50 and 60 points. Right. Um, and that'll be the best out of anybody so especially with default. them being a, a playoff level team right like that mm -hmm. he has to get a ton of credit for that so. yeah absolutely absolutely um so my uh yeah i mean i that being said i do support uh, a jack quinn ad he's in a great position right now anyone playing with thompson and skinner i think is in a fantastic position and like you said alex tuck it doesn't look like he's coming back anytime soon um he's week to week there's no specific timeline um, but, and that usually, that usually doesn't mean great things. So, uh, for Al Alex Tuck owners, it hurts, but if you're able to pick up Jack Quinn, I, I would definitely would. Um, my drop for this week is Lucas Raymond. He is 37% rostered and it's shocking to me that he is still this highly rostered. Um, it's, it, it's been an interesting year for people that were in the Calder conversation last year because most of them have had a sophomore slump. We see Trevor Zegras hasn't been the same Trevor Zegras this year, hasn't taken the step that we all expected. Mo Sider has been a disappointment. And Lucas Raymond has been a major disappointment. He only has 30, 33 points this year. Um, he has 
one assist in his last 10 games. Detroit has lost six in a row and they sold at the deadline. So I don't imagine the vibes there are really super great. You saw that interview with Dylan Larkin. Uh, he was pretty upset that Tyler Bertuzzi was not there anymore. His buddy, his line mate. Um, that's, that's not great vibes. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I imagine that potentially affects the group going forward. They were kind of right in the race to get into the last playoff spot right up until the trade deadline they sold. And now they've been terrible. So not, not a great situation in Detroit. Lucas Raymond, even when things were good, I mean, he was not one of the main guys, right? Like he's playing on power play one. He is on line one right now, but man, he doesn't generate much. He doesn't shoot. He doesn't. Like I, I don't know what this guy, what this guy does. Um, it's it, it, I, I don't really understand. And and I have fallen victim to this multiple times. I drafted him this year, being like, okay, this is going to be a value, a value pick, and just nothing. Like he he ended up being a drop for me earlier in the season. So for the rest of you, thirty seven percent in Yahoo that are still hanging on to Lucas Raymond, I think it's time. Uh, and ju- just two games next week as well. So yeah. uh, he's definitely. Um, definitely a guy that you should be cutting at this point. Yeah, their schedule doesn't get significantly better going through the playoffs after that uh, that two game stretch. So it's not not really something that you're concerned about. If I'm being frank, unless it's Dylan Larkin, there's not really a Red Wing that I have a problem with dropping. And I say that as somebody that's really emotionally attached to Mort Sider as well. Like there's just there's just not a lot to love in Detroit right now, which is. Um, really disappointing from a fantasy hockey perspective. It's disappointing from a Red Wings perspective with them having a surge um, before kind of going off a cliff. And and like you mentioned, Larkin seems to be really down, um, not just like in spirit, but uh, in production as well since that trade. So things do not look good in Detroit. I, I fully support that drop. Uh, my drop for, for the term is Brandon Hagel. He also has not had a great stretch as of late. He's got five shots on goal in the last six games, right? Um, Tampa's dropped at least five in a row. It might be six now. Um, average time on ice in those last six games, 17.39. He hasn't scored in 14 games. He's given you minimal pims. He's given you minimal shots, minimal hits, minimal blocks. And he's on a lackluster power play two group playing small percentages. That power play two group, Corey Perry, Paul, Colton, and Sergachev, right? So there's nothing that's going to carry that to to improve. Um, The team itself is really not doing well. They're reeling. They benched their top line as a statement to try and fire things up. And, And we'll touch on this here in a minute. Hedman got injured as well, right? Things look really bad. But most importantly... In weeks 22 through 24, they've only got 10 games played with one off night. If your playoffs you're looking at, you get to the next level, weeks 23 through 24, they have a league-worst six games played with zero off nights. And in 23 through 25, league-worst 11 games played with one off night, right? So things don't look good for him personally. And fantasy schedule-wise could not be worse. So for the 59% of you that are rostering him, and that's down 8% in the last week, it's time to go. Like, I love Brendan Hagel. I've been riding him all year long, but there's just no reason to keep holding on to him right now. Yeah, agreed. Um, I, I think there is a situation because they're playing so poor. Um, I think there's a distinct possibility that he could get moved up onto the top line again with Kucherov and Point. Um, in that case, 
maybe I'm still interested in hanging on to him. But until that happens, I, I, I just, I mean, you can't bank on that happening either. That's, that's the other thing. And like you said, their schedule is not great uh, in the coming weeks. So, um, I mean, it's do or die at this point, uh, right. at this point in the season. So I think he's a guy that you should definitely consider cutting bait on for sure. Um, let's move on to some other hot topics. Binksy, take us away, buddy. So after all the trade talk, we're going to go back to some pertinent injuries. Um, for those of you that are following up on, on players that were traded recently, uh, things are going well for Timo Meyer. Things are going really well for Nino Niederreiter. Uh, Anthony Duclair looks good coming back from injury. The other stuff is just kind of middle of the road, so not really worth touching on. As far as injuries go, and this one is is really pertinent to, to fantasy hockey for a couple of reasons. Taylor Hall was recently placed on long-term injured reserve with a lower body injury. That makes him not eligible to return until midway through week 23. It's possible that he needs surgery. So it's looking very unlikely that he'll be back before the playoffs. Even if that's really possible and plausible for the Bruins, they don't need to win any more games. So there's no reason to rush him at all. And with bringing in Bertuzzi, there's no guarantee that he slots back into any certain spot in that regard anyway, right? So um, another injury to touch on, Evander Kane has been skating with the team recently and is expected to return in one of Edmonton's next few games, Thursday against Boston, Saturday against Toronto, or Tuesday against Ottawa. So a tough slate, but he's a tough player. He's been out with a rib injury for a few weeks now, so it's certainly possible that when he comes back, He's a little bit ginger and maybe not throwing the body as much. So something to look out for with Evander Kane. Um, as we mentioned before, Victor Hedman is day-to-day with an upper body injury after leaving Sunday's game against the Hurricanes. And I don't know if you saw what happened to him, but he was retrieving a puck in his own zone, turned to put the puck back up ice and was checked backwards kind of corkscrewed, went down into the ice and then went back into the boards. And he did that on the sidewall and caromed all the way behind the net where he just kind of slumped oh, wow. face down, right? It looked really bad. Um, so he immediately reached for his lower back while face down on the ice Makes and sense. spent a few minutes on the ice before kind of gingerly skating off, being helped to the locker room and wasn't on the ice for Tuesday's morning skate and didn't play against the Flyers, right? A lot of times you're thinking, well, it's the Flyers. Do they really need to go, right? But with them being in such a down way, like they they would need him out there if he could possibly go. And being that he hit into the boards, it looked like he could have hit his head as well. I'm completely speculating about that. There's, there's not been any notes about that. And he immediately reached for his lower back, but uh, it being day to day in such a vague fashion doesn't give me any confidence at all. So uh, for those of you relying on Hedman, it doesn't look good. Yeah. Not super great. I, 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 I mean, yeah, at this point in the season, Tampa's probably going to be resting big guys anyways. I'm not I'm not concerned about them as a team uh, and and the the slump that they're having going into the playoffs, but in terms of fantasy, uh I think uh, I I I would imagine they're going to hold him out even if he is okay to play. Um so I I, I yeah, 
I would agree. I think it's I think it's concerning for people that are holding Hedman right now. This last injury note, I'm going to leave up to you. I'm hoping you know a little bit more about it than I do. Um, yeah. So Ryan O'Reilly broke his finger. He's going to be out four weeks. Um, he had some surgery. Um, he blocked a shot from Austin Matthews, or I guess uh, Austin, he had an Austin Matthews shot hit him in the hand. Uh, it didn't look good at the time. Uh, I think a lot of people were concerned that he had a broken hand, like a broken metacarpal, which would be, um, I mean, that's that's a lot more concerning. Uh, but the fact that it was just a broken finger um, and the fact that he's going to be back in time for the playoffs, I think is is great for, again, for, for Leaf fans, uh, fans of the team, because it sounds like he'll be ready for the playoffs. But uh, in terms of people that are holding Ryan O'Reilly right now, it sounds like he's not going to be back uh, he might not even be back the regular season. Like it, it, it may be the last week or two. So maybe if you're, um, if your playoffs go right to the end, you might, you might get some value out of Ryan O'Reilly, but I would be dropping him immediately uh, at, unless you have the IR, or the IR plus spots. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't think you're going to get much out of Ryan O'Reilly at this point. You mentioned, um, you mentioned Timo Meyer having success, uh, in New Jersey, and uh, Devils fans on Twitter last night were not impressed with Timo Meyer, really? not at all. Yeah, he uh, so in the third period against the Leafs, he turned the puck over on the power play at the blue line to Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner got a breakaway and scored a shorthanded goal, and then uh, and then the game was tied with just a few minutes left, and Meyer took like just a boneheaded, high sticking call, like just. I don't even know. I don't know what he was doing with his stick, but the puck was up in the air and he went swinging for it like this, like, like, like as if he was swinging <laughs> a, a lightsaber and, and, uh, and hit, uh, I, I can't remember who he hit in the face, but it was just so, it was, it was like, what are you doing, man? And then, uh, Austin Matthews scored on the power play and they, and the devil's lost. So it was, uh, I, I saw people on Twitter being like, go back to San Jose. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. That's, uh, that's pretty aggressive. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, Meyer's going to be fine. And, and especially with fantasy like that, those type of plays don't really matter in fantasy anyway. So, uh, all right, let's check in with some, some zero G candidates here. So John Gibson is 45% rostered, uh, which is actually quite a, quite an increase um, in the last month or two. Uh, he over the last 14 days uh, is number one in the league in kickupful goalie points uh, or kickupful fantasy points for goalies. Um, he has quality starts in five out of his last six games, and in three of those games, he faced 55, 43, and and then 55 shots again um, in three of those quality starts. So uh, he's been facing a ton of shots and has been coming up huge for Anaheim. Um, they have that great schedule. Like I mentioned before, they have those five off nights coming up. So if you need a goalie, uh, John Gibson may be a candidate there. I know he's had ups and downs this year. He is a good goalie. He plays on a terrible team, but again, like, like these other guys that we've been, we've harped on this year, like Carl Vamelka and Connor Ingram. Um, I don't know guys like, yeah, I mean those are the main the main guys that we've been talking about. Uh John Gibson may be a viable option there. Uh Aiden Hill, who's 50% rostered, has had quality starts in nine of his last 10 games. He has a 914 on the season. He's been so good. Um, and I was 
talking about how you needed to pick him up, but he's actually gone down with an injury and he is day to day. Now it's uncertain whether or not he'll be back by the end of this week. But if not, like they have crazy uh, injury troubles with their goalies right now. Laurent Brassois is out. And if Aiden Hill's out, they got to go with Jonathan Quick. And Jonathan Quick is might get a run. I don't know. That's, that's not a good situation for Vegas. Um, Jonathan Quick has just been brutal this year. Um, maybe the change of scenery helps. I think they won the in his one start that he played, but he did allow a few goals um, late in the game. So I don't know. I, I, I'm not. I'm really not confident in in starting uh, Jonathan Quick uh, whatsoever. So uh, <laughs> not not uh, not an ideal scenario at all. Um, Jake Allen is 26% rostered. He has six, six of his last eight starts for Montreal were quality starts. So he's been playing pretty well lately. May could be an option there. Uh, Mads Sogart for Ottawa. Cam Talbot is down with an injury. Um, he's day to day. Um, Sogart, unfortunately in his last game had his worst outing of the season, uh, against Chicago where Ottawa lost five, nothing. And they just like, which just crushed, their hopes and dreams a little bit of, of making the playoffs. Like that's just a, that is a really disappointing loss there. The caneless domeless. Uh, I mean, they have no players. Seth Jones, I think had two goals. Seth Jones is, is just uh, playing hero ball right now for Chicago <laughs> and it's spoiling their, their, uh, their chances of having the best odds of, of uh, getting Connor Bedard. But uh um, yeah, Mad Sogard, I think may uh, may see a couple starts here if Talbot isn't able to go. And and other than that game, he's been really good um, this year. So uh, I, I I like Mad Sogard. Um, yeah. So uh, obviously the the timetable is still unclear on on Talbot, but uh, definitely keep an eye on on the lineup cards. Philip Grubauer, 31% rostered. He has four straight wins in Seattle. They have all been quality starts. Uh, it seems like he's stolen the starting job back from Martin Jones. So that's a guy that I might be looking long and hard at um, going into the playoff weeks. Uh, Alex Daylock, man. I've talked about this guy a lot of times. Like, he borderline, like, should he be winning the Vesna this year? Like, he's been unbelievable unbelievable he has a 921 in chicago what a, like are you kidding me like how is that possible it, it, it he had a shutout against the senators the other night and it, i think it was 35 saves that he made whenever he's been healthy whenever he hasn't been out with a concussion this year he's been lights out for chicago and totally ruining like they should not be starting him at this point they did not get him to be a good goaltender. They did not sign him to be a good goaltender. And he's been so good this year. This is, it's just proof, man. It's just proof. Goalies are voodoo. You just don't know what's going to happen. Alex Daylock's been out of the league for multiple years. And then he comes in and he's lights out for the worst team in the league. It's, it, it's mind blowing. So I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you want to add him for a spot start here and there. It seems like every time he starts, he's amazing. Uh, and then Eunice Corpusello is the other guy I wanted to mention. Uh, Phoenix Copley and Corpusella have split starts so far in LA. Um, and it, so it remains to be seen what their plans are going forward. But I imagine um, as we get closer to the end of the year, 
uh, you'll probably see one of them start getting uh, more starts than the other just to get comfortable uh, going into the playoffs. So, um, yeah, definitely keep an eye on LA's goalie situation. Uh, but that's it for the zero G candidates. So let's get into the mailbag. I think uh, Binksy um, pulled some questions about goalies just so we can get some continuity here. So uh, Dingle Dude, our boy Blake Creamer, asks, Sogard, let's hear it, you buttes. Uh, and, and I guess I kind of mentioned it already. I, I, I do kind of like Sogard going forward. Uh, hopefully the Sens can, can bounce back uh, from that brutal loss to Chicago. What do you think? What, what are your thoughts on Sogard? Mm, I assume that they go back to Talbot as soon as possible. Oh, and, as soon as he's back, yeah. And it being like a really gray area, him being like supposed to start on Monday and then being scratched and not really any indication given for the game tomorrow. I don't I don't have any trust in in putting Mad Sogard on my roster. And if there is if there's no question about whether he's going to start or not, I'm still reviewing the other options. I don't have a lot of trust in Sogard. And as you absolutely indicated by them losing 5-2-0 to the Taylor Radish-led Chicago Blackhawks, like that's not great defense there. So I don't, I don't love it. I don't love it. I'm, I'm going to go uh, other places. I've, I think that, and this leads in into the next question. I think if you give me a, a let's just say a, a hypothetical between Sogard and Jonathan Quick, I'm going with Quick. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that leads us into the next question uh, from Walnut. Is Quick a must-add with Hill injured? I don't have that same confidence in him. I agree. I absolutely don't have the same confidence in him as I do in Aiden Hill right now. Um, I'm hoping Aiden Hill, this is the thing, the jury's still out on whether or not Aiden Hill is hurt enough to not play, uh, the rest of the week. It was kind of a mysterious injury. He didn't leave the game early. He played really well in a loss the other night, Mm -hmm. um, and then just didn't show up to practice the next day. And they said he had a lower body injury. So hard to know at this point, whether or not he's actually out at this point, it could be, they're just giving him a rest. So um, I don't know. I mean, what what are your thoughts on Quick? You said you take him over Sogard, but would you like? Uh, is that a guy that you're considering picking up at all, like in a vacuum? Usually, I would have a lot more trust in in Vegas defensively in front of him. Mm-hmm. But um, as great as Hill has been over the last few starts, and I believe in Hill, I have all year. Um, they have not been great defensively, right? Like their goaltending has been good with Hill and they've been scoring enough, but they've not been great defensively. They're giving up a ton of shots and I don't trust quick in that environment. Um, Yet again, I'm going to other options on the waiver wire for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I would agree with that. Uh, Googs asks, uh, I feel like Vanacek is back to his old self, uh, and I think that is uh, that means negatively. Uh, that's the um, tone I'm getting. Yes. Like he's playing poorly. Akira Schmid has been stellar all year. Do you see a goaltender controversy? Controversy. Um, personally, I'm picking up Schmid for the playoffs as the upside is sky high. Um, so uh, this is this is 
looking at the trends for New Jersey over the last little while, you're correct. Akira Schmid has performed better than Vanacek over the last seven, eight games or so. Vanacek is getting the bulk of the starts, like, regardless. Um, He's played, like, even though he was pulled, he was pulled a few games ago for Schmid, and Schmid finished of the game, didn't allow a goal. And then Schmid, I think, had a shutout recently, too. But even even so... Uh, Vanacek has still started the last couple of games in a row. Um, I, I think that he's he's their guy right now going into the playoffs. Like they're relying on Vanacek. So to me, they're they're not going to they're not going to shift their focus there. Schmid may get a few starts here and there. So I actually would I would encourage you not to pick up Schmid. <laughs> in other words, because like uh, yes, the upside is there. I'm sure like there is potential for him to be a great goalie, but at this point in the season, like you need to play games, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I still think that Vanacek is, is their guy and they, they're going to give him the confidence uh, that he is their guy and he's, they're going to continue to start him uh, whether or not he's playing well. So um, last night, I, I watched the game last night against the Leafs. He looked totally fine. He allowed four goals, um, had absolutely no shot on any of those goals. Like there was nothing... None of them were his fault whatsoever. Um, I mean, point blank shot from Austin Matthews on the power play uh, in the slot. Um, Mitch Marner on a breakaway, shorthanded. Uh, Kelly Yarncroke with a wide open cage off of like a defensive breakdown where where uh, Thomas Tatar took away the pass, but didn't really take away the pass. It got through him anyways. So it's like, I, I mean... What, what do you do there? What do you, what do you do? Um, I think Vanacek will probably be fine. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I, I don't think that there is a goaltending controversy yet. No, I mean, it probably really feels that way. Seeing him give up, let's see, over the last five games, four goals, four goals, five goals, three goals, four mm-hmm. goals. But take into account that he won three out of those five games right so like fantasy wise it hurts a lot more than it does mentally as a goaltender like yeah you give up goals but you still win the game right and yeah you give up four goals last night to to the Leafs but like you said they weren't goals that he you know is is beating himself up over right so in in a stretch before that he won two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven games in a row Right. And in a ton of those save percentage above 930. Right. So, yeah, I also have a lot of of upside faith in Akira Schmidt, but I don't think there's really a controversy here, especially considering the state of the team and how well he has done all season long. He has been fighting off Schmidt and and Blackwood all year long. And goalies are not always going to be phenomenal, especially in this back home stretch. The ones that get volume, they tend to fade a little bit, you know. So, no, I don't I don't see any any controversy there. And I wouldn't knock you if you started uh, Schmidt in in a streaming start. I think that's a, a good situation. And I think he's had a lot of success. I see a lot of upside there, but um I don't. I don't necessarily feel like Vanacek is close to his uh, old self, quote unquote. <laughs> uh, Reese's pieces asked. This is a fun question. Who's a player you hate for no rational reason? Uh, also, would like 
Blake's opinion on that. And Blake posted a pic in the discord of Brock Nelson and says, that's a face only a mother could love. Um, he really has a hate on for Brock Nelson. He's mentioned it a number of times. Uh, I don't, I don't really understand it, but I mean, that's, that's uh, the nature of hating someone for no rational reason. So I have an exercise for us. So I'm going to guess, uh, I'm going to guess who yours is. Okay, okay. Well, and you can guess who mine is. I want to say something before you guess. Okay. Okay. I really only hate one player in the NHL, and I'm not alone in hating him, but I don't hate him for the same reasons that everybody else does. He is a completely oh. hateable player. People absolutely hate him. Okay. Now, okay. I hate a certain player's face. Yeah, that, yeah, I think we're on the same page here. So, but uh, it's a, Alexi Lafreniere. I hate his face, but I yeah. don't hate him as a hockey player. I do oh, hate his okay. face. I hate seeing his face in fantasy hockey apps. I just his face is so punchable. But the player that I actually hate, tons of people hate. I just don't hate him for the same reasons. Okay, so now I'm not. Now I'm not 100 percent sure. Is it Brad Marchand? No, so that's that's completely okay. rational. And here's the thing: I'm 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 going to give you disclosure on the player that I actually hate because I had to come up with a player that I hate for no rational reason. The player that I really truly hate is Corey Perry. Okay, yeah, I I, I that came as you were saying that I'm like, oh, it's Corey. I, Perry. I yeah. fucking hate Corey Perry. I blame Corey Perry for us losing uh, in the Stanley Cup. I, I hated when he came to Dallas. I hated him before he came to Dallas. I hate him right now. I, I hate Corey Perry with an absolute passion, but there are completely <laughs> rational reasons why I hate Corey Perry and why other people hate Corey Perry. So um, you're going to have to guess the player that I hate for no rational reason. Oh, you have another one? I had to come up with one because, I mean, there's a caveat, oh, no. no no rational reason. So you, you're going to have to guess it. I mean, I I guess you already did, though, because I really hate Lafreniere's face. So I think, you know what, <laughs> I came up with one, but. You, well, you, now you I want to know who the other guy is. Now I'm well, curious because I actually have no idea. Give me a guess. Oh, no. Uh, okay. Who's someone. I'm trying to think of like a division rival of the of the stars or something. No, that would be uh, a rational reason. Oh no! Okay. Uh, shit, I have no idea, man. I don't know. I hate Johnny Gaudreau. Oh, John Gaudreau. And here and here are my non-rational reasons. Okay. Okay. I am from Texas, right? And when he became Johnny Hockey. He became Johnny Hockey because of Johnny Football, and I hate Johnny Football. I hated him when he was at a and I hated him in person when I saw him in real life. Um, I hate him to this day. He's tried to buy my parents' home uh, twice in Tyler, Texas, where really? uh, his entire family is from. Yeah, uh, his, a bunch of his family lives in that same neighborhood, and uh, my parents live on like a, a Buku Wealth Street in that city. Um, but they don't have a Buku Wealth house, right? It's just one of those lots where somebody's like, yeah, I'm going to buy that and tear your crappy house down, and then I'm going to put a giant house next to my all my you know cousins and uncles and aunts and et cetera, right? Um, by all accounts, he is a super nice guy at this point in life. I've heard wonderful things uh, about him from family members, um, 
but I hate Johnny football, and thus I hate Johnny hockey. Also, of all <laughs> of the friggin' places in the world that he could have gone, he chose to play in Columbus. And it ruined fantasy hockey prognostication. It made Calgary way worse. Um, and he could have been on an excellent team somewhere else doing great things and being a 100-point player. And instead, he chose to wilt away and die in Columbus, Ohio. So I hate him for a variety of reasons. Do you, okay. Do you remember? I don't know why this story made me think of, of this, but um, do you remember Matt Cook? Like that that uh, piece of shit hockey player. He played for uh, played for Vancouver and Pittsburgh. He's the guy that that severed uh, Eric Carlson's uh, okay. Achilles yeah, tendon. I was like, he, why do I know that name? Yes, he ended ended Mark Savard's career. Essentially, like got suspended a million times. Was just a really dirty player. He's from Belleville, um, Belleville, Ontario. Uh, and there's a golf course. There's a par three golf course that's pretty close to my my house, and they have a driving range. And it's one of the, one of the better driving ranges in the area. They had a covered, uh, I don't know, a covered driving range. Um, and uh, he had a he owned a house uh, along the side of the driving range, like behind the mesh. Um, you know how like how like typically, uh, well, some driving ranges. I guess okay. More context here. There are houses uh, along the left side of the driving range, um, so they've put up this mesh so that if people slice to the left, it just hits the mesh right. uh, and it doesn't hit the houses. But people used to because they knew that Matt Cook's house was over there. They used to turn. And aim right at his house and shoot over the mesh and try and hit his house with golf balls because people hated him so much. That's and awesome. he he sued the golf course and they had to like completely change the 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 orientation of the driving range. They had to shift it over. It's now no longer covered. The covered area where you used to shoot from is still there, but it's not used for anything. It's like, it's like <laughs> it was, it's, it was such trash and it just, it just made me hate him even more. He's such a piece of shit. I hate him, Matt cook. Anyways, there's a rational reason for that. Uh... <laughs> 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 okay. So, and I actually have seen him there before. I can remember him. I can remember when I was there shooting balls and he was like talking to the owners. And I don't know if that was like in the midst of the lawsuit or whatever, but that's the story that goes around. I don't actually know that that's a hundred percent true, but that's the story that I had heard. Um, in terms of, uh, in terms of irra irrationally hating somebody, I feel like I, I had a name and now shoot. Now I can't remember. Okay. Why don't you guess? Okay. <laughs> All right. Irrational hate. For a hockey player. Um, hmm. I'm going to go with Elias Pettersson, and I have no reason why. No, no I love Elias why. Pettersson. On the right track, uh, a top center for a Canadian, a Western Canadian team. Damn it! But it's, actually, uh, it's actually Mark Shifley. I hate Mark Shifley. <sighs> See, I, I was know. like, I was like, it's like a, it's like a white dude, Western Canada forward. I knew it. I knew it. Oh, I was close. <laughs> I, I mean, and I'm not alone in, in feeling that way. I have just heard things I've heard that, and, and there's no, I don't know. There's no real confirmation for this. There, we talked about uh, the, 
how poisonous the Winnipeg dressing room it sounded like it was um, based on reporters that had been in there um, and a lot of reports of the leadership uh, being very toxic. And I mean, he's part of that leadership group. I just, um, and there was this video that came out after the Jets beat the Leafs in a really chippy affair last year where Mark Shifley in the dressing room, uh, they're like giving, giving away. They, I don't know. They had like a, Oh, you know how you know how people do like uh, like, yeah, a belt or a hat or a helmet or something like that. I can't remember what it was. I don't. I don't really care. But uh, (laughs) he was he was handing it off and he did this speech. He's just like nothing better than beating the Leafs, eh? And and it's like it was just the weirdest. It's just like like they they just couldn't be more in your head, bud. Right? Like like you know what I mean? Like it's just they were the Winnipeg was so bad. Like that was their Stanley Cup was a regular season win against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and in the next game they played each other, the Leafs absolutely annihilated them, like seven two. And it, it's just it was so I don't know I just he, I I just there's something about this guy I just don't like. I don't, you know what I, I heard what uh, on on I think it was thirty two thoughts. I heard that um, that Ehlers should be on the power play one. And wants to be on power play one, but they play the same position on the power play, and Shifley won't move over because he just likes it better, and that's what's keeping Ehlers off the power play. There you go. So, there you go. That's not does, a guy I want to play with. He does seem like a turd. Yeah, a little bit, a little stinky. That's, that's not a guy I want to play with at all. All right, let's move on. Uh, Nate asks, uh, would like to hear the best players on each of your rosters that you think might, that you think you might drop during the playoffs, uh, and maybe talk about how to determine when to drop a stud. What do you think, Banksy? Is there anyone on your rosters, um, who's the best player on your rosters that you would consider dropping in the playoffs? Uh, well, I mean, to touch on the, the reasoning behind that, it's really going to be, um, schedule and streak for me, right? Like it's absolutely crunch time. And if a player is super cold, I don't want to find out that they're still cold in, in a must win matchup. Um, and games played has a lot to do with that as well. Uh, I'm going to refer to, to one league. Uh, and I think we talked about this. I believe it was before we went live um, in a league, our keep three, uh, we call ourselves experts league where I just snuck in and, and clinched the playoffs this last week uh, for the sixth slot. Um, I've got a real roster crunch based on, on injuries on players coming back and, and just having picked up um, some great streams that became holds over the last few weeks. So um, I'm going to go with Elias Lindholm um, and That's a good pick uh, Pavel Buchnevich and uh, possibly Matt Duchenne. Um, they're certainly players that are worth holding that are also right on the precipice of, of being drops. They're bigger names, uh, from this list based on this roster, it's, it's probably going to be Lindholm, but, uh, emotionally it'll probably be Duchenne or, or Buchnevich based on the, the quality of the team and the position that they're playing for me. Yeah. Duchesne was a guy that I was considering saying, um, I think Nate and I talked about this on the pod on Sunday. 
Uh, but Nikolai Ehlers is probably the best player that I would consider dropping at this point just because of where he is in the lineup uh, and how he's playing lately. Now, he does have an assist tonight. He had an assist uh, in the last game as well with five shots. So it seems like he's kind of picking things up, even though his ice time has decreased quite a bit. He had 14 minutes the other night. He's up to almost 16 minutes tonight, and it, and there's still seven minutes left. So um, I don't know. Maybe things are turning around a little bit. I don't know how uh, he's being deployed tonight. I don't know if things have changed at all. But, um, yeah, I mean, th- that's definitely a guy that I'm watching closely. I have him in a bangers-cats league, and uh, I think uh, – I, I don't think Winnipeg has the best schedule – uh over the playoff week so so that's definitely a factor when you're you're thinking about dropping a stud um is team schedule um and then actually like level of desperation like if you're nearing the end of the week um and you are and it's do or die you're good you're maybe gonna lose or you're in danger of losing um and you need to pick somebody up that's playing multiple games or or that's playing if your guy's not playing and he hasn't been playing well lately um, then maybe you're considering dropping him just to stay alive. Like that does happen. So um, uh, obviously, I I have I have a strong aversion to dropping studs, um, but at this point, it's do or die. So um, he's he's a guy that I would be considering. Duchesne's another one, um, and those are just guys on my roster. Like I, I'm sure there are others that are that are kind of on the bubble there. Um, for those of you listening that are wondering about the Winnipeg Jets schedule. Um, in week 22, not terrible, normal schedule, um, in 23 and 24, really bad six games played one off night. I mean, as bad as it gets. So, yeah, uh, especially considering how poorly the jets have been playing, how, how much they've been getting scored on and, and how much bonus tends to overcorrect when his team is, is really kind of, um, has a ton of atrophy defensively it really wouldn't shock me for that not to change very much for him so <laughs> lucas raymond with a goal tonight i just checked that's <laughs> my 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 drop didn't age super well i still i still stand by it though yeah. um big guy in the house 29 asked uh okay basically what i was gonna ask who are you gonna cut who are you gonna cut out if it's sunday and you need a stream uh, how far will you go to get a streamer in your lineup? My team is completely full of people I would never normally never drop. I guess that's kind of the same question. That's a pretty similar sentiment. So yeah. so we'll uh, we'll maybe we'll maybe move on from that one. Thank you for the question, big guy in the house twenty nine. Um, fantasy hockey professor Mike, also known as Mister C on YouTube, he had a question here. It's pretty much the same question that he had in the Discord. So we'll we'll read that one. It's a little more detailed, fellas. In my relatively shallow but competitive league, 10 teams, points, my drops are contingent on schedule maximization. Other than my core guys, Tage Thompson, Connor McDavid, Timo Meyer, and Igor Shosturkin, wow, that's a, that's a nice core uh, who, who, are, who is on my can't cut list. Uh, no one is really off limits. Uh, the players I could drop include Jeff Skinner, Otter, Petro, and or Ekblad, I have Tage and Tuck on the IR at the moment, and I shy away from having more than two players from one team, even if it is the entire top line on Buffalo. The Sabers have a good play, late pl- have a good late playoff schedule, so I may have to break th- that self-imposed rule and keep Skinner. Um, bottom line, minus my core, it's all schedule contingent. 
Uh, thanks and looking forward to tuning in. All right. So that was a bit of a mouthful. I feel like, um, yeah, for, uh, well, and, and then in the YouTube, he asks, hi guys, I qualified for a first week buy. So my playoffs are weeks 24 and 25 add ideas. I already have Tage Skinner and Tuck on and Tuck who's on the IR Quinn still, uh, and then, yeah, uh, I, I th- and then he says, it's me, by the way, fantasy hockey professor. We got you, buddy. We got you. So um, I think in terms of weeks 24 and 25, uh, I looked at the schedule here. We've got Arizona with four games and three off nights. So definitely some interesting targets there. Colorado have, has four games with four off nights. They don't have as many attainable guys um, like I, I think I think people have probably scooped up a lot of Colorado Avalanche players, yeah, at least the absolutely. fantasy relevant ones. So uh, for me, I would be targeting Arizona Coyotes guys for those those uh, at least week twenty four and twenty five. So guys like Nikki Schmaltz, uh, Barrett Hayton, I think mm-hmm. is a guy that's been red hot um, and is slowly I, slowly getting on people's radars. Um, but he has kind of solidified his spot in between Keller and Schmaltz. And they that line has been really, really good the last month. So um, that's the, those are guys that I would be strongly considering uh, for weeks 24 and 25. Um, in terms of... In terms of... I don't know if this is the same... I assume that this is the same team that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, players that you could drop. Uh, Skinner, Otter, Petro and or Ekblad, I'd probably be considering Petro. And I think um, it and I th- has to be. I, I think it has to be Petro in this case because yeah. uh, with Otter, Wedgwood is day-to-day with an injury. So if there's even a chance that Otter just plays all of the games, then you can't you can't drop a top-five goalie like that. Um, yeah. Skinner, regardless of schedule, is not a player that I want to drop. And with the schedule, it's absolutely not a player I want to drop. Um, and you know, uh, Nate touched on this on the, on the Sunday show with you, Ekblad has elite underlying stats right now. And, um, the team itself, the underlying stats are excellent. He's getting great minutes. Like that's, that's just a player that you want. I don't know that you love dropping Petro, but, but like you said, it's schedule contingent, um, and they do not have a great playoff schedule. So it's, it's really not a close race for me there. Um, I think you're absolutely on the right track as far as, um, as ad candidates from Arizona. Um, I also really like ad candidates from Boston. If you could say, get your hands on Bertuzzi, if you could get your hands on DeBrusque, um, those are players that I would be looking at. Um, I don't know if Orlov is an option for you in, in leagues. If, you know, come playoff time, it's, it's probably being snapped up, right? People are paying really close attention right now, but he just hit the power play and he's been on a massive streak since coming over. And, and I liked him before he went to Boston. So the situation has gotten better. He's on a hot streak. Um, I would definitely be looking at Boston players as well, especially the second level Boston players. Cause you know, they would be really stupid to to keep redlining their top players as they don't need to. Bobby Orlov, baby. Yeah, in terms of in terms of second tier Boston players, David Krejci is a guy that seems to be to be available in a lot of leagues. And that's a guy you probably want to be, be especially in a points league. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially in a points yeah. league. 
Definitely. Uh, and then our last question is from the Mark Skinner. I picked Nate's brain about this, and I'm curious to see what you guys think. Who would you drop in a points league that has some but very little value for hits and blocks? Boldy, Keller, or Line? I currently have Meyer still on my IR and have to activate him for the playoffs next week. It's a good complaint, but those guys are at are the bottom of my roster. Playoff weeks 22 to 24. Thanks again, fellas. Um, so for me, out of these three, so I'm looking at schedule. Um, Minnesota has a terrible schedule from th- weeks 22 to 24. They have one of the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, they only have nine games over those three weeks. Um, and K- Arizona has one of the best, and I believe Columbus is up there as well. So even just schedule, uh, even just based on schedule, I would say Boldy is your drop. Um, but even regardless, in a vacuum, I think Keller is so hot right now. We mentioned that when we were talking about Schmaltz and, and uh, Barrett Hayton. Those three have been so good in, in Arizona. Uh, and then Patrick Line, I mean, uh, I have a hard time dropping him at all um, just because he just had, even if he's not like the most consistent player in the world and he's playing on the worst team in the league, essentially, um, he still puts up points like this guy yeah. and, and he puts them up in bunches and he could potentially well, he be could a win your winner. Yeah. He could yeah. win your week in a, in a, in a, in a single game. So yeah, I think you're absolutely on the right track. The, the inconsistency with Boldy is, is what would lead me to drop him. And, you know, as we've established, I love Matt Boldy. I do. I think he's a phenomenal hockey player, yeah. but you know, he was in, an advocated drop for me earlier in the season based on consistency, right? So come playoff time, you cannot afford for you to have an inconsistent player. The schedule for Keller, like you mentioned, top of the line, right? So he's the player that I would absolutely stick with. Line A is what Boldy is, but better with slightly better deployment. So you got to stick with line A as well. You, you know, it's like you said, it's a, it's a nice problem to have, but yeah, you're going to be dropping Boldy. And, and I think that's a nice answer for Nate's question. Like what's the best player that you're going to have to drop just based out of what you're seeing. I mean, Matt Boldy is one of those types. Yeah. And, and I, just to touch on that, I don't even think it's really Boldy as a player. That's a problem or, or the, I don't, I don't even fault him as like, being in a sophomore slump or, or, or whatever. Um, I think the way that Minnesota is built, he just doesn't have anyone to play with. He plays on the top power play, but five on five, like, yeah, he's been, he's been on the second line with, I mean, his centers have been, I mean, he played with Ryan Hartman briefly, but a lot of the time it's been like Freddie Gaudreau and uh, trash do that do guy. Uh, yeah. that keeps popping up into the top six i don't i like i don't know who that is like just not great not great for a guy that's still trying to find his way in the nhl um i think boldy's gonna be a fantastic player um i just think that they need a little bit more to put around him uh, in order for him to flourish so um in dynasty leagues i'm not moving off boldy at all i think he's gonna be amazing um but uh in terms of in terms of winning your weeks um going into the playoffs and redraft leagues, I think it, 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 yeah, definitely, definitely a guy that you could be considering cutting bait on at this point. 
Well, that is all we have for today. Check out the Apples and Genos Discord server. Shoutouts to the band. They're there for providing our music. Their Spotify link is in the episode description. Give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter. Binksy is at Binklemania. Nate is at Apples Genos. Blake is at Blake Creamer SE. And I'm at Just Josh and 41. Please practice safe stats and happy streaming. Have a good one, folks. Good night, world.